Hello and welcome to No Such Thing as a Fish, a weekly podcast coming to you from the QI offices in Hoban. My name is Andrew Hunter-Murray, I'm joined by James Harkin, Dan Schreiber and Anna Tajinsky, and this is an upside-down, Christmassy, end-of-yeary episode, Lord of Misrule style, I'm in charge. <laughs> <laughs> the lunatics have taken over and the inst- asylum. Exactly that, and instead of us telling you our facts... Uh, you are going to be telling us your facts. No, so- we will be telling you your facts. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> we we will be telling each other your facts, but you are allowed to listen. That's <laughs> yeah. Basically- You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, we have this email address: podcast at qr People write in with all sorts of stuff, and if you're a member of Clubfish, you'll hear every month the kind of things people write in with on one of our bonus episodes. But also, you send in a huge number of brilliant extra facts. So we have just gathered around here. We have a massive pile of different facts from all of you. Some of the absolute best ones that have been sent in over the last year or two. You know, because we can all dip into the inbox. We might have seen a couple of them. A lot of them we'll have never seen before. Yeah. So would someone like to begin? I got Uh, facts here. Yeah, go on. Mm -hmm. All right, this is from Hayley Dargan. It says, a team in Darwin, Australia, drove a car named Mud Crab seven kilometers underwater across the harbor. They got bogged down nearly a dozen times and dealt with the threat of crocodiles. In doing this, they broke two world records, longest underwater drive and the deepest underwater drive. Wow. Pretty Very cool. Good. Wait, I didn't, sorry, it's a, what kind of car? It's called the Mud Crab. And it's, I guess, <laughs> amphibious and... Drive sideways. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool that it can drive underwater. Very much don't try this with your own car. Warning, right? Yeah, this is. I, I bet there's a few um, alterations they've made to their regular car. I to go hope so. Yeah, <laughs> there's an old. I think it's a Mitch Hedberg joke. There's something like that, uh, which I will absolutely butcher. But it's something like um, I went on a date with a girl. It didn't go very well. She was annoyed that I didn't open the doors for her, and rather I swam straight to the surface. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good joke. <laughs> That story reminds me of that story we had in one of our books of the year, our books we did about the news of the year. If you want to catch up on the news of 2018, why don't you go to Amazon and buy it? Um, But one of the stories was about those two Australian women, I think this is right, who were following their sat-nav and just, it was somewhere in Australia and they just followed their sat-nav into the ocean. Just because the sat-nav had messed up and they just went, must be right, must be right. It's amazing. And their car got stranded in the sea. Do you you remember, we we mentioned on the podcast, there was a president who had an amphibious car and he used to take, uh, so it wasn't at the White House. Lyndon B. Johnson. It was Johnson, that's right. And he would take his friends out in the car and they would go a bit down a hill where there was a lake at the bottom and then he would fake losing control. Oh God, oh God, what are they? (laughs) And then they would go in the lake, but they'd obviously drive on. Brilliant. Very, very cool. If there's ever a weird, wacky thing a president did fact it's always LBJ isn't it yeah. it's amazing you had time to lose the war in Vietnam yeah, yeah. yeah is where I was going yeah. it's amazing in the last you know decade or so we've had such straight down the line presidents haven't we <laughs> buttoned up you know yeah. uh, in the Addo National Park in South Africa if you're driving along there dung beetles have the right of way 
So if you're driving along and a dung beetle crosses the road, you have to just sit there and wait for it. How good is everyone's eyesight in this area? Sorry, that's incredible. They are small, but they do push large bowls of dung. That's a good point. Mm. Yeah, fair enough. Um, And there must be a lot of traffic jams with a lot of cars stopping. (laughs) Is that, can you get out the car and check? No, just a normal beetle. Okay, get back in. Or a normal poo. Yeah. Or a poo, yeah. It's just a poo in the middle. I'm sure, I can't see the beetle, but it must be there. Pretty sure it's not moving. That would be breakups, wouldn't it? You would hear breakups there it was like why'd they leave you why'd your boyfriend leave you he waited five hours five hours because there was a random piece of poo sitting on the road if you do go like driving in any of these places like i drove in yellowstone i think and a few other places like that you do have a lot of traffic jams because as soon as there's an animal there yeah everyone stops and you just kind of sat there at the back and the first two or three people can all see the animal but of course then it wanders off and they drive off and everyone else who's in the traffic jam never gets to see it and the elves the elves of iceland we've spoken about before oh yeah well, they believe, a lot of people in Iceland believe there are elves, and they believe they live in rocks, and so if a rock finds its way into the middle of the road, and it's a believed home of an elf, you can't move the rock, you have to drive around, literally maybe going off-road in order to get around it, mm. until yeah. it's removed safely by the proper authorities. Anyway, look, guys, I'm sorry, we'll move on to the next fact. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, Oh this, is a, oh, this is actually a bit of a sort of audience feedback one. It's from Dave Clemmer. Um, we mentioned the Treaty of Versailles and the rights to champagne or naming champagne oh, yeah. were part of the Treaty of Versailles. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, so Dave said, I didn't know about that, but it was not shocking given the presence of two other items I knew about with extreme military significance in the Treaty of Versailles. One of them was the patent on aspirin, which Bayer, oh, a yeah. German pharmaceutical firm, was required to give up. The second is the concert pitch for orchestras being standardised such that the A above middle C is 435 hertz. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That was in the Treaty of Versailles. I think this is on QI this year, isn't it? Yeah. Last year. It's amazing. It's incredible. Might be on your TV in about 18 months' time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, the British used to tune their instruments to a different... Actually, everyone came to the British way, did they? I can't remember. Because they won the First World War. I yeah. can't remember. It was something that was like what that. really yeah. upset the Germans. This is actually the platform on which Hitler built his rise <laughs> no, to power. Was that <laughs> frequency thing? Thirty years of Hertz was the slogan you wrote, wasn't it? Thank you. <laughs> Just a quick fact about that. So, if you play, I can play the trumpet, for instance, and when you tune to the orchestra, you play a B flat because everyone plays whatever their you know their note mm. is tuned to and then it all comes together and you can hear if you're slightly flat or slightly sharp yeah. um, but B flat is also the way you tune a Vuvuzela <laughs> how many orchestras <laughs> I think there is one uh, Vuvuzela concerto that someone that's wrote once incredible uh, but no that's, that's so good <laughs> so, that's the sad thing isn't it so few professional Vuvuzelists yeah. get a chance <laughs> you know God, I wonder when the last time officially an instrument's been allowed into like the main orchestra posse <laughs> you know it's interesting that's, that's, that. that's a good yes, point one well, of the sort of later weirder brass instruments you know yeah. like weirder than a French horn you'll see um, a um, theremin <laughs> Often, but um, they're not, pretty, uh, that's not yeah. part of a classical orchestra. Yeah, yeah that's quite yes. niche. What's God, that's the a great most... point. Yeah. I remember yeah, I seeing, um, I watched a piece once, I can't remember who it was by, shame on me, but there was a part for cutlery. Lovely. So the percussionist had a load of cutlery there and they would either rattle it or they would drop it or whatever. Um, was it a tuning fork? Brilliant. There we go. Good there we grief. Go. You're on fire today. Let's have another one. Come on. Like, like James, <laughs> you haven't done one yet. All right. Here we go. This is from Tom Whitfield. 
the world record for highest jump into water is held by Rick Charles at 172 feet. Can I ask, was that how high the water was? Or how high <laughs> he was before he got in the water? <laughs> how could high, highest jump into water? No, I just thought it might be someone, like, for instance, I've been to Lake Titicaca, which is the highest navigationable lake in the world. Right. If I jumped into Lake Titicaca, You've as I did. You've broken this record. <laughs> yeah. I see what you're saying. Sorry. Yeah. It's just a fun bit of whimsy from James, though. Yeah, yeah. No, I love a fun bit of whimsy. <laughs> you know me. I get comedy. I just sometimes <laughs> like it to be expanded on a little bit. So, <laughs> so, sorry, that's 20 feet higher than the Statue of Liberty. And air had to be pumped into the pool to break the surface tension. Otherwise, he would have gone splat. When was that's this? amazing. I think it's in the 70s or so because it's there's footage of it. And yeah. I, so I follow the YouTube link that Tom put in the, in the email. It's unbelievable because it's he's basically on a ladder which is taller than the Statue of Liberty. So <sighs> you just see so he's far up. Climbed. That's wow. hard to get up the ladder. I was impressed that he got up the ladder at all. I mean, it's, it's yeah, stunning. Right. And he's We're standing on the, the second yeah. floor of this building and I struggle most weeks. <laughs> <laughs> What's uh, interesting is someone very, very recently and I've heard the term the highest jump into a body of water mm. ever broke the record just oh, wow. a few days ago. So maybe this is an old email and possibly it was right at the time. Right. And it's okay. and he doesn't oh, he wow. doesn't have water. It's incredible. You see the footage. He's standing on the edge of a cliff and he throws something. I don't know what it was. It looks like a giant fish, but I don't think it is, <laughs> into the water. And as soon as it hits and breaks the tension, he jumps oh, lovely. and goes in and it's the new world record. Oh, really? Um, okay, well, it must be my turn to read a fact. I'll take the one closest to me. Mm-hmm. This is from Sam Cavallaro. And Sam says, I was reading an article about the early human species that coexisted with Homo sapiens, and they mentioned the estimates of how many Neanderthals were alive at any one time, giving an upper limit, and my brain immediately decided to find a relatable reference scale and came up with a nearby city that had similar population. So I thought you might not have a sense of what the population of Olympia, Washington is. Correct. <laughs> Absolutely zero frame of reference for that. I think that's the capital of Washington, isn't it, Olympia? I don't even know whether that's true or not. I simply have no, I had not heard of Olympia, Washington before now. It's not the biggest. It's not Seattle. Um, so I looked up a UK comparison. At the estimated most populous, there were as many Neanderthals as modern humans living in Torquay. <laughs> 52,000. That would be an excellent episode of Faulty Towers, wouldn't That's it? That's great. <laughs> Wait, how many was it? 52,000. 52,000, yeah. That is Gosh. unbelievable. Yeah, that's... Wow. So actually, that would be a cool premise for something. Like, the Neanderthals are here. They all live in Torquay. And it's about the... Modern of... day Torquay. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, like, the amusing uh, cultural clashes that you get. Do they um, remove all of the current population of Torquay <laughs> so the population stays at 52,000? Or does the population balloon to 104,000? I think everyone in Torquay uh, is sort of bought out of their homes. And it's like, we need to house exactly this number of people. So <laughs> where can we put them up? You all go to <laughs> Exeter. Yeah, it's exactly that. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, there were also a thousand more Neanderthals in the world at their peak than there are currently inhabitants of the county of Rutland. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> wow. So I mean, That's I reckon that I have more knowledge about the city of Olympia in Washington than I do about the county of Rutland. I Apart think... from I know it's the smallest county. I live yeah. very near it, and I can tell you um, the difference between the people there and Neanderthals. Right. Oh, <laughs> there we go. Ouch. I've had a good sledging. <laughs> Rutland, is a, Rutland is a, it used to be a proper county, and I believe it's now a unitary authority. So much like the Neanderthal, it's actually sort of faded into the past. Wow. Really? Like the county of Rutland. I yes. thought it was still a county. Actually, interesting, yeah. the people of Rutland do bury their dead with flowers <laughs> and trinkets. <laughs> <laughs> and the 
rumoured to have mastered fire. Wow. Oh, huh. And actually, if you get yourself tested, you are often, you are between 1% and 3% uh, Rutland. That's not a lot of people know that. But I got another one here oh, from on. David Saunders. The British Basketball League is having to change its name as no one can Google it because the acronym is shared with a surgical procedure that's become very popular in recent years. Ah, the Brazilian, Brazilian butt lift. lift. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant. The league's new logo looks more like it's advertising the surgery than the basketball. Oh. It's true. I've seen the new logo and it's a big, it's a big bulbous B. I'll put it that way. <laughs> it does, it looks a bit like a bum that's, that's been, uh, been lifted. That's so cool. Funny. Do you think having a big Brazilian butt would help you in the basketball? Oh, unquestionably. Well, I don't know. Of course. If you're, you, you're, bear, you're yeah. space hoppering your way along the court on that thing. Yeah. You uh, don't bounce on your ass in basketball. <laughs> I think that's a travel violation, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but do you think, like, if Kobe Bryant was jumping and doing a basket, he might say to someone, can you smell my ass? <laughs> that was like, a thing, right? That was a, yeah, tell, yeah. Was, tell me how my ass tastes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Granddad. Christ. Because <laughs> you're up, your bum's in the other guy's face, right? I was That's thinking, the, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what was the story? It was that Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe Bryant. That's oh, like. Dear. I just had such a flashback to when I was a kid. You know when you used to get so embarrassed, your mum singing along the really wrong words to modern songs, and I just felt that shiver hearing you say that. You know what? It was in the same episode that we mentioned that as the um, darts players, where one of them farted and put the other one off. Oh yeah. So that's why I'm conflating yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. See, I think that's a good. I think that's. Don't listen to these guys, James. I think that's a really good like uh, punk line for you in whatever sport you are. Can you smell my <laughs> when, when I'm playing Scrabble over Christmas, <laughs> I can say it to my in-laws. <laughs> you smell my ass. <laughs> oh my god! Brilliant. Stop the podcast. Stop the podcast. Hi guys, we just wanted to let you know that this week we're sponsored by the London Review of Books. That's right, the LRB, as it's also known, is the most popular magazine of books and ideas in Europe. Europe. Europe, I know. Yes, indeed, Europe's a big place, but the LRB is on top. It's the, it's the Habsburg Empire of the modern day, <laughs> and that's because there's nothing like it. It's known for its brilliant long reads on all subjects under the sun, from Chinese typewriters to golden moles to everything in between and it's all written by real experts in the field you will come away entertained edified and smarter exactly it's very fish based i'm sure we've relied on it in the past for facts at, at all sorts of different occasions and now you can get in ahead of us all you need to do to get six issues for just six quid and a free tote bag i mean guys just go now go now go to lrb.me slash fish and you will save 83% off the cover price they might be good at books but they certainly can't be accountants because that's a steal yes go to lrb.me that's m-e slash fish to try six issues of the London Review of Books for just six pounds and you'll get a free LRB tote bag we're also sponsored this week by Babbel 
We are, and Babbel is where you go if you want to learn a language. It's the best place for it. It has so many good features. It will offer you in-app feedback and progress trackers as you go. Its teaching methods have been shown to be really effective across many studies, and it's genuinely fun to use. That's true. Genuinely, we've all used Babbel at various different points. I'm using it right now to learn French and improve my French. I did GCSE French. I've I've oublié a lot of it. Ah, ha, ha, ha. Um, but it's so good at teaching you through this whole range of mechanisms. There are real life conversations. There are little word games. And every time you use it, you're learning something new. It's brilliant. So if you've oublied a language or if you just want to pick up a brand new one, then check out Babbel. And right now it's offering our listeners six months for free with the purchase of a six month subscription if you use the promo code FISH. So go to babbel.com slash play and use the promo code FISH for that extra six months for free. That's right. Genuinely, we really recommend it. Go to babbel, B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash play, whack in the offer code FISH and you will get six months extra for free. On with the podcast. On with the show. Here's one. Ludwig Umeyer. Uh, in Cuban and other cigar factories, it used to be common to have a person to read aloud to the cigar rollers while they worked. Oh, yes. And the Monte Cristo cigar brand got its name because the Count of Monte Cristo was an extremely popular choice for the workers to listen to. That's incredible. That's interesting. I heard the story one, I think. Yeah. I think we told that on the show at one point. <laughs> did we? Oh, did yeah. we? Sorry. Okay. Yeah, but that's a great extra detail. Yeah, the, that's the bit that I think is amazing, really, the Monte Cristo bit. It's such a long book. It is long, You can yeah. roll so many cigars while listening yeah. to that. It's long but book. quite exciting, and also it's not very... Um, I would say you don't really need to remember what happened at the start, so you could like swoop in and swoop out a bit, because uh, it's yeah. just him and his adventures, isn't it? It almost feels I like see. the second oh. half is a bit like a comic book There's strip. like a 300-page digression in Paris in the middle bit. Which yeah, is... I know, but that's <laughs> but you don't need to know what's happened before. It's just like there's this rich dude having a bloody whale of a time. Yeah. Uh, on Cuba, Fidel Castro once ate 18 bowls of ice cream in a single sitting. Okay. Yeah, he just liked ice cream. As like, oh, oh, that wasn't a challenge. It wasn't a challenge. He really liked ice cream. There was a big thing in Cuba, which we might have mentioned before, about milk and stuff like that and being able to feed the country with amazing cows and stuff like that and mm. so it was partly a an advertising thing about how great our milk is but it was also partly he just loved ice cream right his, his sister, uh, his died sister passed away yeah, yeah. really yeah. she was she was a double agent basically she to begin with loved castro and and then when he took over and then he continued to sort of go in a direction that was bad. She went, hang on a second, I thought you were going to be good when you got into power, and he wasn't. And so mm. she left Cuba, I can't remember where she went, and yeah, became a spy, and um, wow. was really a big part in his downfall. Sorry, he didn't have a downfall. He, he, uh, sorry, yes, sorry. Yes, yes, sorry, sorry. He famously outlasted 10 US presidents. And, like, was a, <laughs> she was the worst spy ever. <laughs> I guess that's where the double agent bit comes yes, in. Well, she's she's <laughs> actually doing it for Cuba. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll oh, make dear. sure I bring him down next week. Honestly, he's coming down. <laughs> uh. One of the first facts I remember discovering for QI um, was in a cigar magazine about Kennedy when he placed the embargo on Cuba. His last move before that was to order a couple of suitcases of Cuban cigars, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> had them sent over to him, and Classic. then the gates came down. I love though that they would discover that fact in Cuba while someone's reading out a biography of JFK as part of the rolling system. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he did what? <laughs> the, fa- the factory yeah. workers. Um, shall I take another yeah, yeah, fact yeah. from the middle? Okay, again, this is the closest to me. So Rebecca from Ottawa 
Uh, I think not the band, probably the province. Uh, we don't, but we'll find out, I guess. The <laughs> what did Ottawa sing? Final Cap? No, not Who Final Cap. That's something really famous. Oh, they wow. say. I've never heard Sorry, of I don't know. Final Cap was, was when they called Europe. Yeah, Ottawa. Ottawa, not Ottawa. They did D I S C O. D-I-S-C-O But unfortunately Slightly different name So so renders that whole bit (laughs) (laughs) So Rebecca Who is a person Who lives in Ottawa An Ottawa You might say (laughs) Right Do you think there's a shop In Ottawa Called Ottoman Ottomans like a furniture shop. Yeah. There should be, shouldn't there? There, there should. should be, yeah. Mm. Um, Ottawan, Rebecca, writes, uh, thought you might enjoy this news story from Canada about a sad goat. She goes on to put the headline, which is Mysterious Screams on BC Island, British Columbia, I imagine, <laughs> turn out to be from a sad goat, Royal Canadian Mounted Police say. Uh, and yeah, there was basically a lot of um, sounds off in the bottom of a ravine in British Columbia in Quadra Island and um, the Mounties say it didn't come from a person in distress but rather a sad goat it sounded apparently a bit like help, help (laughs) (laughs) oh that's great do we know why the goat was so yes, sad? um, yes, the mama goat's babies had been removed and she was calling for them been removed that, that is sad that has taken a sad turn <laughs> yeah I'm now yeah I'm now siding with her on could have been know. just removed temporarily to go to nursery yes, yes. do you think do you think that's what it was <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's hard to sell um, <laughs> thankfully officers confirmed all was well and nobody besides the mama goats was in any kind of distress mm-hmm. huh Poor old, poor mama goat. Don't yeah. know how much we did enjoy that. Are you looking around at everyone's faces, <laughs> Rebecca? Yeah. It is D, distressing. It was I. Oh, okay, never mind. It was a nice idea for a joke. Um, um, go I got on. one here, go which on. is uh, from Ivor Cardus, uh, and it's from Chapter Five of A Very British Murder by Lucy Worsley. And uh, so this is an extract, I think, word for word. During the First World War, trainee soldiers were frequently set the initiative test of hiding and spending the night in Madame Tussauds' Chamber of Horrors. This caused such inconvenience that Madame Tussauds was forced officially to ask the war office to stop the practice. Huh. How many soldiers would fit in Madame Tussauds' Chamber of Horrors before it became unmanageably... Yeah. Like, before it's just a military training ground at that what point. What is the Chamber of Horrors? Is it one room? Is it a whole building? No, so it's, a, well, it's a sort of labyrinthine yeah, basement full of, you know, spooky people. It's Chamber relatively of... small, though. It's yeah. tight, isn't the it? Corridors. Yeah, yeah, corridors. Yeah. People jump out at you, people grab you. Yeah, I actually really don't like those when actors are jumping out at you. I get why people do, but I just find them really tedious. you love horror films. Yeah. But it's like a live horror film, isn't it? It's not really. It's just people trying to scare you. That actually, now you say it, that is quite like a horror film. <laughs> yeah. I don't like it because I find, I, I find both of them equally scary, you know. I, I don't like ghost rides, all things like that, because I have such high hopes and they're always disappointed because they're never scary enough. Mm. Except the ghost ride at Alton Towers. <laughs> I'm absolutely terrified in all of them. I'm shouting to the people behind me in the ghost train, can you smell my ass? You know, I'm really... <laughs> Oh dear. Uh, in the after World War One came World War Two. <laughs> and uh, in World War Two, would Kitchener have been a no not Kitchener. No, who was, was it? He an American. Who's an American um General? General Eisenhower. I can't remember who it was. Might have begun with K. Anyway, an American okay. goes back to uh France and he sees that there's a war uh, grave 
that the locals have been looking after for years and years and years. Uh, and what he doesn't have the guts to tell them is actually they'd mistaken it. It wasn't a war grave. It was a toilet. And they'd had this kind of um, like latrine, which all the soldiers had used. And they'd put something on there to kind of say, this is the latrine. And the locals, when they came back, saw it and thought it was a grave. No. And for 25 years, they were putting flowers down. Oh, and leaving. No. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Like it, was it do they put a headstone down to mark the latrine? Because that, that would be a weird thing to do, for one thing. It wasn't that. It was more like, you know, you put a stick with oh, yeah. some flat, so the people would know that it was a latrine. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. And it was in, whoever it was, it was in his memoirs that he went back there 25 years later, and this is what they were Why doing. did he go back to the toilet? <laughs> I want to have one final poo to remind me of the good old days. <laughs> back to the area where he was Sorry. stationed. <laughs> What's awful is that if you squatted and took a poo there you'd probably be arrested for desecration yeah. yes. you have such a holy mo- and yet you're the only one doing the right thing yes, yes. we shout as they dragged you away in, in chains <laughs> yeah that's um, a great story oh yeah. you go Here's one from Matilda H. In 2018, IKEA released an advert designed to be urinated on. I think we might have said this. Yes, I remember this. We did do this. It was a pregnancy test. It was, <laughs> yes. And it got you a discount on... Your... Baby. Well, it's, uh, well, yeah, give you a free baby. You got a crib uh, discount on the crib. Yes, it's baby furniture, but I mean, not how much furniture a baby needs to be on the crib, does it? They don't need a writing desk or a, <laughs> <laughs> a baby chaise long. Yeah. Uh, chaise short, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it said a positive pregnancy reading would get you a discount of 50%. And according to the agency, getting the technological aspect of the ad took some work. However, and they quote in this email, the pregnancy test strip was used as a starting point, makes sense, which relies on antibodies that bind to the pregnancy hormone HCG resulting in the colour change. And did you have to take along the, the now quite urinary magazine or whatever it was? <laughs> yeah, I don't mm. know. Were they waterproof posters that they put up? I guess. But it's not a poster. You can't. <laughs> you can't have people going around peeing on the posters. Just says release an advert. Don't know what yeah, form it came in. Yeah, doesn't say of the TV. People <laughs> 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 dragging in a pissy telly. So many people were electrocuted <laughs> by this campaign that they had to end it. Oh, that's great. That's a great fact. Here's a good one. I guess this is from Haley Inslee. Mass-produced tomatoes in cans. We're all familiar with those. <clears throat> yeah. Owe their existence to Galapagos tortoises. Hmm. Is it a riddle me this? Yeah, that is a riddle me this, isn't it? What is it? Would Um, you like to have a riddle? Is there any chance we can get it? No. Oh. Oh. So, uh, famously on on the Beagle... All the giant tortoises that were brought back were eaten yep. as food, right? Uh, so you've got a giant turtle that's been eaten, but you've uh, not got the turtle, but you've got the shell. Yep. Is it possible that any of the fruit and veg that was on the um, boat was then stored inside mm. the, the empty shells Brilliant. and it kind of kept them fresh enough that they thought, yeah, oh, we good. should be storing that this. That is really That's really good. That's very plausible. Can I have another guess, assuming that that's not right? Yeah. Um, tomatoes you get in a tin are a very special uh, species. They're not the normal tomatoes you get because they work better in tins. And these species of tomatoes were... The seeds went through a turtle and mm. in the turtle's poo and grew out of turtle poo. Very do you know, good. Mm, do you know James is actually closest here. Oh, wow. Oh. I'm going to give James the point. Yeah, because yeah. that's... Oh. So, okay, I'll tell you what it is. It's sort of a bit like that. Okay, 
when you pick a uh, oh and you should all have been saying tortoises throughout uh, when, <laughs> sorry <laughs> uh, point. when you pick a tomato that short section of stem that comes with it you know that little spidery bit yeah uh, is the calyx and there's a tiny bit of stem breaking off from a joint which is called the pedicel right so for many years these sharp stubs meant you couldn't put them into automatic harvesting bins because you'd end up with sharp stubs in the can right mm-hmm. but an American botanist called Charles Rick two first names discovered a tomato plant with jointless pedicels but he couldn't get them to germinate the only solution he found as a last ditch was to feed the seeds to some tortoises the seeds then germinated quickly wow he bred from them within a couple of years all mass-produced tin tomatoes could be machine harvested wow so i think james, james was kind of amazing. Yeah. Got yeah. Close. but also charles rick what amazing lateral thinking going the only way i can do this is to feed it through an animal <laughs> yeah. he must have tried various different things yeah even right. yeah. different animals before then i would think yeah. yeah yeah that's incredible no you're right um i got one here from jeff houghton check out a guy by the name of francis wharton a backwoodsman i think British Columbia, who in the back, ni- backwards <laughs> rather than backwards, right? <laughs> yeah. From the backwards, no, not a, he's a, a backwards bit. man. Yeah, uh, British Columbia, who in the 1960s shot a deer, used its teeth to make his own dentures, then used them to eat the deer with its own teeth. Whoa! Yeah. me that's Do, incredible if true. I've got a question. Yeah. Do deer have canine teeth? You wouldn't have thought so, would you? I would have thought they're mostly molar-based for all the plants they eat. Mm. They yeah. to eat sort of live prey. But you can sharpen, right? Presumably that's what he was doing. He probably shaved them to size. Yeah. Which animal's teeth would you most like to have in your mouth? What a great question. Ooh. Well, what about the um, sheep's head fish that we mentioned the other day, oh, yeah. which has the teeth H- of like, human teeth? Yeah. I wouldn't want those. I would want... Okay, well. I mean, shark's teeth, where they grow on a I conveyor guess, belt. Sorry, just on Anna's point. I guess <laughs> yeah. the question is... Are you doing it to improve yourself, or has some evil demon come to you saying you must have another animal's teeth? In which case, Anna's idea is quite clever because you're like, well, basically, I'm just getting human teeth mm-hmm. back. You're tricking the demon, though. Yeah, I think the demon will say, and it can't be the sheep's head <laughs> fish. <laughs> nice try. Yeah, that wasn't in the contract. <laughs> okay. I want you know how um, blue whales have that sort of baleen. Yeah, no, no, those um, huge plates of um, where you, you can baleen. Only, you can only, baleen. Yeah, well, yeah. The, the system whereby they, you can only get krill through. Yeah, because yeah, it's of called baleen. baleen. Yeah, there we go. I go, I go baleen. Oh, what's that? It's uh, <laughs> that's what blue whales have. Um, oh, yeah. That's a nice idea. Yeah. So then every meal, every dinner party I go to, it's like oh, the guy who can only eat krill's coming. We've got to cater hundreds of thousands of krill. Oh, for we've him. got one vegetarian, one vegan, and the krill guy. And there's nothing that'll please all of them. <laughs> Guys, Dan, I've just realised I don't think you have any canines. Oh, really? Holy moly. Look at Holy that. Holy moly. <laughs> <laughs> so normally you've got two in the middle, yeah. two on the sides, then two canines, yeah. right? Where are your third teeth out? They're completely flat. Dan, work. Oh, You're weird. the newly evolved human. Because we don't need our canines anymore, because we have cutlery. So well done. Hang on, I find it really green. hard to bite things these days. Yeah, you can see Anna's canines right there. No, honestly, I'm, I'm, this is incredible. So, you know, when you go to the pub and you buy a pack of crisps and often you want to open it up so that everyone can eat it, you might mm. bite into it. For years I could do that. And then suddenly, five years ago, I can't bite. I can't Someone's get through. Someone's come and shaved your teeth in the night. Holy <laughs> moly. Well, there you go. Huh. We've learned an interesting fact today. And here's another one <laughs> from, <laughs> from Jeff Partica who opens with an admission. He says, I may have a fact-sharing problem. Thanks for letting us know. But I'd be remiss if I didn't share at least one. I myself do not hunt, with this fact being one good reason. 
In any given year, Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota and Pennsylvania combine to issue over 2.5 million deer hunting licenses, which, if an organised group, would be the largest standing army in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Knowing some hunters, though, generally speaking, organised would not be the word I'd use for them. Isn't that the idea of um, Americans being able to bear arms is, is that in case the government goes rogue there is an automatically a standing army there right i think that's I think one that of the, the arguments isn't it yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah or in case the deer finally get their act together <laughs> and rebel en masse yeah yeah claim yeah. back their teeth um i haven't done one for a while yeah, yeah go go for it. It. can i read this this is from uh, noah de kuning from the netherlands today i found out that the timer on your washing machine doesn't just feel wrong it often is the timer on your washing machine is an estimation based on the weight of your laundry or, inverted commas, load sense, and it adjusts itself as it goes. That's incredible. Oh, my God. No, is it Noah? Yeah. Noah, Noah, you've saved the world for the second time today because that <laughs> is... My mind is blown. Yeah. I've wondered this for years, haven't we all? Because how often have we looked at the last minutes of the washing machine, especially when you're desperate, it's just before you go to bed and you're desperate to take it out. And apparently, because I did see this one, I looked into it, the last minutes are specifically the ones where the timing messes up quite a lot. Yeah. Is it because there's less water, so they're less heavy, maybe? It's because maybe. the cycle, what's happening in the cycle in the last minutes is they're spinning it around. So it is to do with water. It's trying to shed the excess water. So depending on like the density of your wash, the water can be like much greater than the washing machine has estimated at mm. the end. So yes, it'll spin for longer and longer, and that's why there's huh. that agonising When you go down. and it's eight minutes, you go in eight minutes later, it's six, seven minutes, whatever. Yeah. It's really yeah. annoying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Great fact. Thank you, Dan. Incredible. Yeah. Can I just say, Dan has lined up loads of facts before him, like he's sort of doing Monopoly money collection over here. No, they just happen to be facing me. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, arguably, see all those bits of paper in front of you. We can all throw stones. <laughs> can I read out? A, can I read out a fact? What? That what? was just about to. I've got, got twenty lined up to. Oh, you've got. Lo you've done loads. You've done loads. Like here's one. Here's one from Dominic Brown. Oh, he's a pretty intense host. This guy. <laughs> yeah. It's about time someone started cracking the whip. No, I love this. Um, this is from Dominic Brown. The US Navy has an army which has an air force. <laughs> so no, that's great. I was looking this up to try and find out a bit more about it. It turns out that the US Army also has its own navy. <laughs> they've got they've got I can't remember it's called Army Watercraft Systems and they have got 130 boats or ships or vessels or whatever it is. Right. Yeah. It must what be quite confusing. Confused. Yeah. yeah. I got one here uh, Chelsea Pyle. My husband told Sounds me this. Sounds like a very expensive house. No, it does. Doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> My husband told me this interesting fact, and I found an article to explain it. When Mount St. Helens erupted in 1980, the sound of the explosion could be heard as far away as Canada. So we kind of all know that, right? Like it sort of went. Where's Mount St. Helens? Sorry. Quite near Canada, I is thought. It, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is, isn't it? Ooh, it's remember. in the northwest of, of the USA. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. It's in Washington. Okay, but oh, still, okay. Oh, well, it's next door. There's still a distance, though, right? The point of the next sure. sentence, several hundred miles away, that you can hear this eruption. The, yeah, yeah, right. There yeah. you go. The sound of the explosion could be heard as far away as Canada, but to those closest to the epicenter, it made no sound at all. Oh, I see. What? Yeah. What? That's pretty amazing. Is, the, is this like a trick because they were underwater or something? Or <laughs> how is in, that possible? They were in a mud crab vehicle, <laughs> <laughs> setting uh, a world record. Is that? Oh. Is it like being in the eye of a storm? Yes. I guess so, right? Yeah. Oh. It no, can't, no, no, it sorry. Can't I, be. I was just saying, yes. Is it like that? <laughs> I wasn't saying yes, it is. Because, um, yeah, because it's weird because sound 
I don't feel like sound acts like the eye of a storm, I guess, which is where it's whirling around you. It's not like James talks and if I'm standing right in front of him, I can't hear it. But if I step to the side <laughs> and now James is miming at me for the listeners at <laughs> That's home. That's a really good a visual gag. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. Um, if um, sound gets too loud, it creates a shockwave rather than a sound wave. Oh, yeah. Maybe it's that. That's very Do you good. not have the reason? No, I mean, I'm, oh. I'm clicking the link here with my finger on the bit of paper, but it's not opening. Sorry, that's my flub. I should have... Uh... Oh, dear. Some, someone else read one. This is from Hannah Killen or Kylan? Kylan, I think. Kylan, okay. This is from Hannah Kylan. During the World Wars, spies, mainly women, were discovered because... What would have given them away? So they trained in language, they trained in culture and manner. Oh, yeah. What would have given them away? Uh, specifically, something, something something specifically female? That's... You know what I thought it was going to be at first? There was a woman who was arrested because they had some weird writing on their buttocks. Oh. And what had happened was they'd sat on a train and they were worried about the dirty seats. So I'd put some newspaper underneath their bum. And then the print had gone onto their bum cheeks. Right. And it had been like backwards writing. So they didn't really know what it said. So they assumed that she'd been dispatched into the country with a secret message <laughs> for the resistance. Exactly. Written on her bum. And it just said, can you smell my ass? <laughs> Was okay. it they ordered pints instead? And in Germany, um, you don't order pints. Um, no, I guess like famous examples are a spy once was outed when she was giving birth and she started swearing in her yeah, actual yeah, language. Yeah, yeah. That lovely, kind of stuff. Lovely. <laughs> no, we talked about the spies, the German spies who were caught in the UK because... Didn't they have a load of, was it sausages in their bag or something? <laughs> yes. <all day>? <laughs> <laughs> and then were French spies were given away because they smelled of garlic or something. <laughs> no, Do you remember that? No, it's too cr crude. Yeah, there was an there Australian spy who was throwing a boomerang. <laughs> there was a Mexican spy with a big sombrero. It's so juvie. There was one amazing story where a guy was, they thought he was a spy and they just couldn't get him. They kept trying, they're interrogating, doing all the tricks to yeah. get him to do it. And he was just flawless. And then supposedly one day when crossing a road, one of the people who was trying to out him was behind him and went, watch out a car! And he looked the wrong way. Brilliant. And mm. But like, you need a lot of witnesses. Like, how does that hold up in court? Yeah. Everything else is... Anyway, the answer here is that they knitted wrong. So this is from a book by Debbie Stoller called Stitch and Bitch. And the idea is that Americans knit in a very cumbersome time-consuming way. These are, these are Hannah's words. <laughs> <Feels like yes. laughs> um, where they let go of the yarn and then loop it around the needle, whereas Europeans never let go of the yarn and can make the stitches much faster. Wow. So they would be outed for their knitting wow. style. Wow, so this Brilliant. is American spies in Ger France, presumably, or in yeah, Germany or whatever. Yeah. Wow. Great fact. Because yeah. knitting, people used to knit codes in various wars, mm. didn't they? Like Morse code into knitting. You'd have specific lumps in your knit where I don't know how much it was done and how much there was a lot of fear mongering around yeah. oh my god is that um, person wearing a jumper actually transmitting Morse code to their friend but you could definitely knit code into stuff remember yeah. that that also that where they used to shave people's heads and tattoo them <laughs> yes. and this is back in like I this is Romans and yeah. Yeah. Romans. Yeah. yeah and that, their hair would grow back and so exactly there's a problem with that and with the um, pregnancy one yeah is you have to wait quite a long time between yeah. setting it up and getting the payoff the message yeah. will be out of date by the time you would think so you would think so wait what's pregnancy one well like for instance the idea that Dan mentioned which was you when a woman gives birth she'll swear in her own language which, Sorry, yeah. yes. If you weren't sure someone was an agent and you had to wait for them to get pregnant and then wait nine months yeah. and then... Yes. Yeah. yeah. And how are you going to impregnate them as well? 
No, well, it's not probably the normal way. <laughs> <laughs> she got pregnant in a peculiarly British way. <laughs> All right. This is from Jeremy Karakan, and he says, My hometown, Rochester, New York, forgot it had a nuclear reactor, <laughs> and it found out when they were about to tear it down. And <laughs> The wrecking ball has just swung back. I've just thought of something. And there's some more detail on this, and it's amazing, actually. I'll just read it to you. So, Kodak may be a sinking ship. Kodak, the company. Oh, yeah. A humorously written um, piece here. But apparently, it's a nuclear sinking ship. For more than 30 years, the company kept a small reactor running in its basement in Rochester. And it was used for research and powered by 3.5 pounds of uranium. Kodak, the... the I think the camera... The camera people. Camera people, <laughs> Had yes. their own nuclear... Believe so. That's amazing. And it's the kind they make bombs from. Apparently. <laughs> wow. They took precautions. The reactor was locked away in a concrete bunker. It never leaked. And I'm just going to skip through and try yeah. to find out why Kodak would keep getting a nuclear that, reactor. Was that originally what photobombing was? <laughs> it was Brilliant. much more dangerous, yeah. So good. So, starting decades ago, Kodak had an interest in neutrons, subatomic particles that can be used to determine the makeup of a given material or create an image of it without damaging it yeah, okay so you that. can fire neutrons at something and get an image of it um, and to do that you need to create a nuclear reactor in order to generate a bunch of neutrons I guess wow, what else are you wow, going to do it incredible can I do one yeah mm. Elizabeth Royce writes there's a bridge in West Virginia which was only fixed after the Soviet Union intervened <laughs> this is great so I sort of looked up what, what was going on here and basically it was an article about it on the Blue Ridge Country website it's called Vulcan, this place, this tiny town. Very few people living there. They had no safe way to drive out of town because there was a bridge that collapsed in 1974. The only way you could get in and out was to drive up the Kentucky side of the Tug, which I guess is the river, and walk across a narrow swinging bridge. Children had to crawl under parked railroad cars at the railroad's bridge to get to school. Mm. One child lost a leg doing that. So just like horrible situation and, you know, just a nightmare. They can't get in and out of town. And this guy called John Robinette, who was the okay. self-appointed mayor, apparently, wrote to the Soviet embassy in 1977 in Washington, D.C., describing Vulcan's plight and requesting foreign aid for a bridge. <laughs> <laughs> and the Soviets dispatched a journalist uh, who reported back saying, yes, of course we'll fund your bridge. If America can't do this, Amazing. we will pay for it. Nice. Because of the PR, PR coup. Within hours of that journalist visiting, uh, word came down from the governor saying, yeah we'll, yeah, we'll build a bridge, we'll build a bridge. And there we go, they, they kept the promise and eventually the bridge was uh, was delivered. According to news reports, Vulcan residents celebrated with illegally imported Russian vodka. Nice. <laughs> and the American flag hung high. That's a good story. Mia Tappin says, a loan word is a word borrowed from another language. A calc is a direct translation of one word into another language. Mm. See, subtle difference. Remember that. The word calc, and bear in mind we're spelling this C-A-L-Q-U-E, okay. the word calc is an example of a loan word, because oh it comes God. from the French word calc, and the word loan word is an example of a calc, because it's directly translated <laughs> from German's lane word, meaning loan word. That's wow. superb. So good. Wow. I love that. Yeah, that's amazing. Here's a fun one. This is from Dan Maynard. Hey, I have a fun fact about Ozzy Osbourne. I tried sending it to James on Instagram, but not sure if he'll see it. Mm. 
Um, sorry, that's not the fact. I don't really know how Instagram works, I'll be honest. I am on it. Yeah. Uh, no such thing as James Harkin. Uh, he but... is, I can prove that, because I watch him post stuff from at Schreiberland. Um, so, yeah. Jesus Christ, the self-plugging is off the charts. Anna, any, anything you want to... I've got nothing, thanks. Well, Dan writes, if you don't already know the story, in 1972, Black Sabbath were recording volume four in a mansion in Bel Air. Ozzy went and adjusted the thermostat and continued on with the day. Next thing, the cops turn up, sirens blaring, and here everyone thinks it's a drug raid in the house and proceeded to flush away and snort as many drugs as possible. (laughs) It turns out, Ozzy had not adjusted the thermostat. He had, in fact, hit the emergency call button and alerted the local police. <laughs> and they were just there to check if everything was okay. Oh, no. We're fine, we're fine. We're fine. Oh, wow. I suppose there's no crime, there's no criminal offence of having taken drugs, That's, even like yeah. five minutes ago. That's really interesting. And I think no one's ever properly tried that in court because I think that is, in theory, that is true. But it's difficult to say that something's never been in your possession if you've taken it especially as it's in your body. But if you've taken every bit of it and it's just fizzing around your nervous system, well, is, it, it's, like, is yeah. that still possession? Possession is illegal, and yeah. if it's in your stomach, arguably you're possessing it. And it's very difficult to say, it's in my stomach, but at no stage did I ever possess it. <laughs> this is quite a fun one. Chuck Norris once helped deliver a baby on a helicopter. No, he didn't. This is from, this is from James Wetter. It happened in 2013. There was a woman in, you know, the Isles of Silly? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. When you're pregnant and you're about to give birth, you go to the mainland. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but she went into she went into labour, and then gave birth in midair on the helicopter. Okay. And, but, on, and Chuck Norris happened to be on that <laughs> helicopter flight. On board the helicopter was Lieutenant Commander Chuck Norris, who oh. was the observer uh, on board the helicopter. Come on. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the baby was born midair. And they took off with seven passengers on board and landed with eight. It's so cool. That's and then in 2022, nice. it happened again. Chuck Norris again? No, don't think so. I'm not sure. Here's one for you, Andy. If you're in a certain town in Switzerland, whose name escapes me, yeah. once a year you can get a helicopter ride for six euros fifty. Riddle me this. <laughs> is this normally, of course, it would cost you a lot of money to get right, a helicopter. Right, okay, and where and is, is it again? So. It's in Switzerland somewhere. And is this for me because I'm cheap? No, no, it's (laughs) because you like infrastructure. Oh. And, you know, vehicles and stuff like that. So are you hitching a lift on... I've given too much away. You're hitching a lift because it's flying under a, a, what do I like, a funicular, to a funicular railway. (laughs) It's made of moss and everyone's (laughs) refusing to get in it, so prices are lowered. Think funiculars. That's a link here. Okay, so rather than a a funicular helicopter whereby it's attached to a tower and the uh, rotors provide the power to lift it Brilliant. rather than but you're going by helicopter no, I've got mm. it I think I've got it is it a it's like a rail replacement bus service except it's a funicular replacement helicopter exactly amazing wow. <laughs> isn't that and amazing? they're not allowed to charge yeah. more than the funicular precisely so um, once a year they have to put the funicular into maintenance but they still need to get to their village and so the government puts on a rail replacement helicopter <laughs> and of course they can only charge you the amount that you would charge if it was a train that is, that is so incredible. good I would just wait at the bottom no thank you I don't need to get home I'll just would wait you? for the funicular to be back in service <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a fact I said ages ago and when I say fact it's something I said out loud that I'd love to confirm and I still haven't confirmed it and I promise I've been looking which is that there was a story that Chuck Norris the actual Chuck Norris actor as opposed to the helicopter pilot all his movies are arguably I think a bit B-movie-ish not very good you'd watch it for the fighting right he's got kids 
He doesn't want his kids to watch his movies because it has fighting. So the story is is that Chuck Norris edits out the fighting scenes from his movies and then lets his kids just watch the shitty extra bits. That's a whole movie. That's I don't want to so knock funny. Chuck Norris. But I, I read it in an interview with him once and I can't find it anywhere. So I'm still looking. I'm still on the hunt. Wow. That's a great yeah. fact. This is a good one from Dylan Difford. In May 2005, the British Department of Trade and Industry was briefly renamed the Department of Productivity, Energy and Industry, but the name was reverted after one week <laughs> when it was suggested that this made Minister Alan Johnson, if you remember him, the Productivity, Energy and Industry Secretary, or Penis. <laughs> <laughs> I can't That's imagine great. Mr Johnson had any fun. <laughs> no, well, indeed. <laughs> Very good. I think this is the shortest one we've got oh, great. from Stuart Marsh the company that makes square fire extinguishers is called Oval <laughs> <laughs> what square? I've never seen a square no. fire extinguisher I think I looked it up when that fact came into the inbox and it's what an odd thing to they're have. real yeah. they're That's real amazing. do we yes, know why, why? No, okay here's an idea you put them on a ship and ah. then they won't roll away yeah brilliant mm. Yes. Very good. They fall over. Yeah, yeah. Nice. I mean, that is the only reason I can possibly think of for a... <laughs> easier to stack in the warehouse. Yeah. But if just, I, if yeah. I was shopping for a square fire extinguisher <laughs> and I was a ship captain, I wouldn't open up the website that was overextinguishers.com. <laughs> this is from Amy Apple, and apparently was also sent in by John Turbo. Yeah. And <laughs> Turbo was my nickname yeah, um, yeah. when I was younger. It was. And John's your brother's name, so is there some oh, sort yeah. of... Um, the fact is that a few years ago, Nicholas Faisal, a biology at the University of Lausanne in Switzerland, and his colleagues developed a fascination with the penises of serotine bats, which is a species found in woodlands and the attics of old buildings. Serotine bats sport abnormally long penises with wide heart-shaped heads. When erect, the members are around seven times longer than the female's vagina <laughs> and their bulbous heads are seven times wider than the vaginal opening. God, wow. this is a lot of detail, isn't it? Anyway, Faisal wondered, as you would, how does this work? How can they use that for copulation? Long and short of it, as it were. <laughs> the long and wide of it. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, they hang upside down. The male climbs onto the female's back and gets her neck, as bats do. But then he uses his erect penis to push the female's tail membrane to the side, locates a vulva, and then he just puts his penis on her vagina and um, copulates there. So it's more okay. of a... Um, it's more like a cloacal kiss. It's a cloacal kiss, oh. yes, is the nice way of putting it. God, they do have massive penises, bats. Do you remember I got... <laughs> do you not remember I showed you a photo that I got sent? No! Oh, I got sent a picture by Colonel John Blashford Snell when he was out on his expedition. Oh, he said, look at wow. this big bat. And I opened it. It was a bat that strung up with this giant flopping penis. Uh, it was huge. It was huge. Wow. I'm still, it's still like burnt in my memory as a terrifying image. Holy dick pic, Batman. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's it. That's all of your facts. Thank you very much for listening and thank you for sending them in. If you would like to get in contact with us about the things that you have said over the course of this podcast, Uh, via us your mouthpieces uh, you can get in contact with us online uh, I'm at Andrew Hunter M uh, James uh, I'm on threads at no such thing as James Harkin but I haven't done any threading okay <laughs> exciting Dan no threads. I'm on Instagram on at Schreiberland and Anna if people want to contact 
the us. whole thing. Yes, yeah. you can contact the podcast by going to at no such thing on Twitter or by emailing podcast at qi.com. That's right. Or you can go to no such thing as a fish.com where we have uh, lots of stuff. We have merch. We have various uh, few other endeavours that we're up to. We also have a portal there to Club Fish, the exclusive members lounge which uh, is a really fun place to be isn't that right guys it yeah. sure is <laughs> if you liked what you just heard for the last 40 minutes or so yeah. every month or so we do a drop as a line which is of a similar bent yeah yeah, yeah. there's bonus stuff there are ad free episodes there's there's a thriving uh, fan community called Discord. It's on a thing called Discord. I know what Discord is. Don't write in. Uh, <laughs> it's the place where you would probably find out first about new gigs that we're doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's some tempting schmutter on display at Club Fish. So go to no such thing as a fish.com. Thanks very much. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. <laughs>